friends, welcome. I'm Andrew Hicks, and you're listening to the Text and Context Podcast. I'm going to try to use this. At Easter, I didn't feel like it went very well, because it like kept catching my breath. Oh, I'm testing it out this time. How about now? Not as bad. I quit breathing, if only I could. Could it still pick me up if I put it like down here? No? Yeah, good, good. Okay, I'll just try not to breathe too much. Uh, good morning. Uh, wonderful uh, singing this morning. They're, they're putting you to work while you're home, aren't they? Man, I mean, give the girl a break, good grief. No, you're doing wonderful, thank you so much. Um, this is a special day for me. Uh, this is the first day that I am officially uh, a father, actually in the category, yes. Can actually celebrate it. He is not just in utero, he is here. Uh, but he's not here here, he's just here. Uh, Hannah, we, we uh, were in Memphis, all, I was in Memphis all week. Hannah was back home in Northeast Arkansas, so uh, long journey for mom and baby to make it home. They were exhausted, so they're, they're at home resting. Um, but thank you for your support, uh, being gone all week. It was wonderful. I'll be happy to share my notes with you. Nerd time. Alan's not even here, but nerd time for sure. Uh, happy Father's Day to all of you from, from me. Uh, it's been said multiple times, but happy Father's Day to you. I, um, I am excited to, to celebrate this with you. These are always special holidays. Mother's Day, Father's Day, all the days are important and uh, special. They break up the rhythm of whatever we normally do in church, but it's good. It's needed. So I thought the best place to start for Father's Day is really only one place. I thought I would stick to a traditional Father's Day sermon, stick within the bounds, color in the lines, wouldn't want to ruffle any feathers, you know. So of course I thought the only way to talk about Father's Day would be to begin by talking about mothers, of course. So if you look at Proverbs chapter 31 with me, that is where we will begin. Proverbs 31. You probably have heard of Proverbs 31 before, right? Proverbs 31 is uh, typically the, um, the ode, the song to the capable wife, right? It's this, this song at the end of Proverbs, and it begins in verse 10, A capable wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. It's a magnificent conclusion to the book of Proverbs, and it is, uh, you've probably heard this before from some preacher somewhere eventually, that it is an acrostic poem, that for each line of the song, it begins with the next letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So this is the capable wife from Aleph to Tav, or for us, from A to Z. She is, I mean, she is the real deal from A to Z. She's the real uh, Proverbs 31 woman, as she is often called. But this Father's Day, because it is Father's Day, I'm wondering, could there perhaps also be a Proverbs 31 man? Could there be a Proverbs to match the Proverbs 31 woman? I mean, she's this beautiful description, elegant, all the wonderful things that she does described here. Could there also be a Proverbs 31 man? And um, I read a book a while back that was called In Search of the Proverbs 31 Man. It was terrible. Um, it was a terrible book. It was written by this lady who was unmarried, never had kids, but had all these opinions on how your marriage should work and how you should raise your kids. One of those kind of things. You know what I'm talking about? It's terrible. I threw it away. But the title intrigued me very much. 
Proverbs 31 man? Because we hear so much about the Proverbs 31 woman. Could there be a Proverbs 31 man? You know, Proverbs, the whole book, was originally written to young men. All of Scripture is for us, but originally Scripture's not to us. It was to somebody else. Ephesians is for us, but it's not to us. It's to the Ephesians. Hence Ephesians. Proverbs was originally written to young men. That's why if you read the opening chapters over and over, it's a father talking to a son. Son, listen to my advice. Son, here's what I got to say about this. And hey, be careful of the uh, promiscuous woman. And hey, be, don't get into debt. That's a bad idea. And hey, steer clear of those friends because they're bad news. All this stuff. My son, my son, my son. And of course it applies to, to young ladies as well. But really, all of Proverbs is addressed to young men. So if you think about it, Proverbs 31 is about women, but it's not to women originally. It's to young men. The idea is, son, you find you a woman like that. Find you a capable wife. Someone worthy of such praise and exalted descriptions as you find here. You find you someone like that. Often we preach Proverbs 31 as like a, a Mother's Day sermon or, or uh, anything to honor women. And, and so we, we preach it. And it's like we're calling our ladies to live up to and be Proverbs 31 women. And that, that's totally legitimate, wonderful, beautiful. I've heard great sermons from that. But also in context originally, it's to the, it's to the men. Find you one of these. So maybe I'd like to hear more sermons where uh, the man stands up and says, Proverbs 31. And instead of saying, you need to be like this, it's saying, you're already like this. Let's acknowledge this, men. We need all the brownie points we can get because that's more the gist of what it is. Find you a woman like this, the Proverbs 31 woman. So this means that really all of Proverbs, Proverbs 1 through 30, is the description of the Proverbs 31 man. There is no Proverbs 31 man. There is a Proverbs 1 through 30 man to match the Proverbs 31 woman. If you live up to these ideals, if you seek wisdom and find it, if you become this wise, good person, you will certainly be worthy of this, this worthy woman, this capable wife of Proverbs 31. So there is no such thing as a Proverbs 31 man or a husband. Sorry to disappoint you. But there is a Proverbs 1 through 30 man. Because all of Proverbs is originally addressed to men. And may they live up to those expectations to have um, a capable wife to be worthy of such a thing. Isn't that what you want? It's what I want. You know, the Church of Christer in me, though, just really wants to find a command example or necessary inference. Have you heard this before? Command example, necessary inference, that old Church of Christ interpretation model of Scripture? Yes. I want to find an example. Where's an example of a Proverbs 30 man in Scripture? If only I could find one. There is one, actually believe it or not. Um, in chapter 2 of the book of Ruth, Boaz is called a prominent rich man. Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. It says prominent rich man in my translation. In NIV, it says a man of standing. NIV is a little closer, but really it's still missing it. It's not quite there because it should be a man of noble character. It's the same adjective used to describe the wife of worthy character is used to describe Boaz in Ruth chapter 2, verse 1. It's the same one. Uh, and really, uh, Ruth is eventually called a wife of noble character by Boaz in chapter 3, verse 11. So they're both. We have a Proverbs 31 woman, Ruth, right there. And then she finds her Proverbs 31 man. I mean, somebody should write to Nicholas Sparks. That is 
good material right there. Oh, the peasant girl and the rich, prominent man. But both of them are, are these worthy, capable, wise figures that find each other and that get married in the end. And so it's worth noting that um, in the Hebrew arrangement of the Old Testament, which is different. So Jewish people to this day, whenever you say the Old Testament, they would just call it the Bible. But whenever you talk to your Jewish friends, they're, they have the same books, but they're in a different order than ours. And do you know what book comes after Proverbs in the Jewish canon? Ruth. It's almost as if those who organized the canon of Scripture said, the Proverbs 31 woman concludes Proverbs. Oh, and here, here's an example of a Proverbs 31 couple. A Proverbs 31 family. Here's a good, good example of that. So it's kind of like Barbie and Ken or Bonnie and Clyde. I don't know. It just goes together. Peanut butter and jelly, whatever you will. Andrew and Hannah scoring brownie points. Yes. Um, they just work together. The capable husband, the capable wife. They just go together. And I know what you're thinking. That's all fine and good, preacher, but this is Father's Day. That's just talking about husbands and wives. What about the kids? You've got to have kids to be a father, in theory. Or at least have some relationship to children to be a father or a father figure. Well, Boaz is not just a worthy man. He's a worthy father. Because if you keep reading the book of Ruth, in the end, Ruth and Boaz have children. Lots of children. They're fruitful and they multiply. And at the end of the book, in chapter 4, verse 11, they are charged to have children in Epathra and bestow a name in Bethlehem. And I'm actually going to turn to Ruth because I've got to show you this. In the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verse 11, it's really odd. The people are gathering around Ruth and Boaz and they're saying, go have a bunch of kids. I wouldn't propose that as a wedding toast today. Wouldn't suggest it. If you're brave enough, you can try. But that's what they're doing. It's a different culture, different time. Time is of the essence. Ruth has already, you know, lost a husband in the story. And so time's of the essence. Like, they, we want to have children. Um, it also will redeem Naomi, her mother-in-law. But all the people who were at the gate, along with the elders, said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house, speaking to Boaz, like Rachel and Leah, who together built up the house of Israel. Which is interesting given that she'll build up the house of Israel in a very special way because you remember who her great-great-grandson is. King David. Who together built up the house of Israel. But the part that gets me, may you produce children. Does your Bible say children? My Bible says children. May you produce offspring. offspring. That's fine. It's interesting. There's a word for child in Hebrew and that word is not used here. The word for child is not used here. There's plenty, there's actually multiple words for a child in Hebrew that you could use, and that is not the word used here. It's a really rare word. It's an odd word to use here, but it's the same word that was elsewhere used as an adjective to describe Ruth and Boaz as worthy or capable. They're being called to have little worthlings. That's how I would translate it. They're being called to have little worthlings. These little capable children, they're being called as a capable man and a capable woman to raise up capable or valorant offspring. To raise up these, these admirable, wise figures. That's what they're being called to do. And um, there was all these children, and then you get to Jesse, and then Jesse has David, and then David has a son. He has multiple children. But there was one in particular who took over the throne after him. Do you remember his name? 
Solomon. And Solomon, of course, is associated with which book of the Bible? I wonder if great-great-grandma is being referred to in Proverbs, the capable woman. It was Proverbs, it was Solomon's great-great-great-grandmother that was the capable wife. And it was his great-great-great-great-grandfather that was the capable husband. And then here comes Solomon, the wise man. And he made some unwise choices, I know. We all know. But, but... It's still interesting that he's the one that's associated with wisdom. And he was wise, even if he made some mistakes. Wise people make mistakes. They just learn from them. This, this is why Ruth and the Proverbs 31 woman relate to Father's Day. I told you, I'm not just pulling the wool over your eyes. Because a wonderful father is one who raises up little worthlings. These little children of wisdom that have this worth, this valor, this beautiful wisdom about them. And I'm I'm sure you know fathers like that. I'm sure you know children like that. And isn't it such a wonderful thing whenever you experience that? Uh, The parents that have raised these these beautiful, wonderful, worthy children. That's really what a Proverbs 31 man is. is someone who raises up worthlings. And I'll say this as well, because this is worth saying. Um, Everybody has their own choice. You work as hard as you can to raise up children that are worthy. And eventually they can make their own choice. That does not mean you're a failure. There are certainly circumstances where things should have been done better. There are certainly circumstances where things uh, just did not work out as they should have. But there are also circumstances where they did all that they could and they raised a worthy child in a worthy environment and then they chose a different path. That's not on you. I don't think we should ever shame parents in those situations. Um, I've seen it done in churches before. I'm sure you have as well. Raise a child up in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Yeah, absolutely. Unless they choose to go a different path. They have free choice. And so I just I put that caveat because there are hearts that have been severely damaged by those who would wield that verse. But even for those that have gone astray, there are parents out there who are raising an environment of worthiness and even in the church I'm looking at people who whether you have biological children or not I'm looking at fathers I've been here what since January is that like six months and you've already been father figures to me you're raising an environment of worthiness and not just for your biological children but for all of us and Paul calls the church the household of God So I am certainly within my limits when I look at you and say, these are my fathers. Jesus said, whoever does the will of my father is my mother and my brother and my sister. And okay, he didn't say father, but come on, the logic is there. Whoever does the will of my father is my father. You know what I mean. Whoever does the will of my heavenly father, he is my spiritual father as well. He is a father to me and a father figure because he is creating a culture of wisdom and a culture of worthiness. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. May God's blessings be on you in abundance. I want to end with a little prayer that I have written as a blessing over our fathers. If you're sitting next to uh, a father, uh, put your hands on them. And if you're not by them but, and you don't want to get up, you can just like, you know, do the charismatic thing and extend your hand, whatever you want to do. But um, join me in prayer over our fathers. Our Father in heaven, we ask that you bless now our fathers at the Bastrop Church of Christ. 
those that are here and those that are not because they're celebrating with their children or are traveling or whatever has, has kept them from here today. Bless them in their relationships with your son, Jesus. Strengthen their resolve, deepen their commitment. Bless them in their marriages. Make them men of deep love and compassion and tenderness. Bless them in raising their children or in continuing to raise their children. Give them patience, wisdom, and discernment. Thank you for the fathers and father figures that have blessed our blessing and will bless this church family in the years to come. And we pray that they would be men of valor, that they would be worthy, that they would be Proverbs 1 through 30 men that raise little worthlings, that raise children who are wise and worthy. It's in the name of your son, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Thanks for listening to the Text and Context podcast. If you're interested in some other great content, then you can go over to my website. It's txtandcontxt.com. It's text and context without E's in it. So again, that's txtandcontxt.com. Head on over there and check out a bunch of free resources and plenty of articles about a wide range of topics, as well as book reviews and plenty more. Thank you for listening.